Welcome to Calispin. Today's date, 18th of July, 2021. Joining me in this studio is my co-host for today, Brad Flutie. We're dedicating this show to Groundswell's recent and historical hell of a protest that took place across the country and saw massive support by the New Zealand people. Now, before we bring in our first guest, Jamie McFadden, he's a national coordinator for Groundswell New Zealand. Uh, let's take a look at some of the scenes that played out across the country, including coverage by some of our mainstream media. Take a look. Farmers right around New Zealand are coming together to protest. From the paddocks and shingled townships to the highways and roads leading to the city. The country has rolled in en masse. Farmers say they're fed up at not being listened to by the government. They want more of a say in the freshwater regulations and they don't want a tax on their utes. Today they'll roll through the streets up and down the country on their tractors and uh, with their horses and their dogs and even the crop planes. This is a mass protest and joining us now is the man behind the groundswell protest. What a good guy and well done to him, uh, Bryce McKenzie. I just started with uh, people being a bit, little bit concerned about the um, uh, NPS on fresh water when it first came out. So... Um, we did a bit of a tractor protest in Gore, a cobra mine, and uh, well, he's a cobra now, he wasn't at the time, but, and uh, we ended up driving to Gore, just the two of us basically, and there was uh, over 100 tractors there, so that's, that's how Groundswell got started. Look, we're expecting thousands, just how many thousands we don't know. The feedback from everywhere around New Zealand has been that they, they are just blown away by the number of contacts that have uh, been in contact with them. We've had enough of just constant barrage of regulations and these regulations aren't fit for purpose. The, the, it started with the fresh water um, NPS and um, I'm a, a conservationist myself as I'm a founding member of a water care group and uh, we founded that back in 2014 and it's been one of the uh, most successful stories there is in uh, cleaning up waterways um, and it's an award-winning group, it's called the Pomahaka Water Care Group and it's turned a river around completely so um, that's, that's basically we know what it takes to get clean water and you don't get it through regulations and you don't get it through unworkable regulations. Some of us are third generation farmers and up to fifth generation farmers, if we were in ru ruining uh, the land that we're on, we surely wouldn't be able to farm it still. So it's in our interest to actually look after that farmland for the next generation. And I, I might add that, you know, our, our spokesman on uh, Indigenous biodiversity is actually a, uh, a native uh, nurseryman and he's restoring native uh, areas all around New Zealand. So it's not as if the two people that are speaking out on their particular areas of water and Indigenous biodiversity haven't got hands-on experience of what's going on. A good outcome for us is just having a voice for the um, farmers and tradespeople, that, that's number one, and they haven't had one for a long, long time. Uh, that includes the growers, of course, so we're really pleased that they get a chance to show how they feel. The other thing is, if it was a really good outcome, I guess we would feel that we've been listened to and what we've been saying is taken on board and something's done about it. Uh, Bryce, I wish you a lot of luck for your protest today. I know the farmers are having a tough time, but there are critics who have come out and have said, hey, you know, what about the, the government is backing farmers when it comes to droughts or floods or anything like that? What do you say to that when the government also supports you in other areas, um, you know, take from one hand and then sort of protest on the other? <laughs> when you get, uh, I think it was 500,000 given to uh, 
North Canterbury when they got all the floods and you just compare that with uh, what's been given to the gangs for uh, drug rehabilitation. I mean 500,000 considering the area that's been um, damaged seems uh, pretty pittance to me. I, it doesn't seem equitable as far as I'm concerned. Alexandra is one of about 60 or so protests that's happening around the country today. There's tractors lining the park here and you can see all the utes and dogs parked up behind me. Why this protest is happening, the rural community in New Zealand are protesting against what they call a growing list of a tsunami of regulations and policies that the government is putting in place. There's a number of those such as the fresh water policy that is significantly going to change how farmers operate day to day but what is being called as the as the final straw is the government's clean car scheme that's imposing a penalty for high emission vehicles such as utes and tractors that are used widely on farms in New Zealand the rural communities say that these policies they cannot abide by them and they're simply impossible to follow and what's interesting about the clean car scheme is there is no legitimate EV replacement for Utes in New Zealand at this time, and farmers say it's impossible to to adhere to these rules and policies, and they want them either scrapped or revisited and re-looked at. They want to be listened to, so they hope that today's protest will make the government sit up and listen, sit up and listen, and maybe join them around the table to consult the rural community of New Zealand for these policies and regulations going forward. Government needs to rethink its policies and just support. The these uh, tractors and utes have been making their way from all across Canterbury, meeting and then converging, heading down State Highway 76, and now they are here, having encircled Cathedral Square in Central Christchurch. Uh, now they are letting out, the farm dogs are letting out literal howls of protest uh, against these uh, proposed government uh, legislation. Uh, now, of course, those tractors and utes have come in their hundreds. The latter of those vehicles uh, could face up to uh, uh, added fees of up to $5,000 for an imported vehicle. That's one of just many uh, pieces of legislation that these people here are protesting, howling in protest against. Stop stealing our land, our freedom and our rights. I've lost mates. I've buried so many mates uh, due to suicide over last year. It's, uh, it's killing the industry. And for the first time in my life, I'm actually considering getting out of farming. It's the overregulation. It's just there's too much red tape. We can't do these things. It's impossible. Make rules that work. We've got rules that don't work. Everything in this country is just going wrong. And, and the farmers down here just had a guts full of it. And it's nationwide, as you can see, all the tractors. Everyone's come down here for a common cause. Um, you talk to anyone here, they, they've had a guts full of this government. I certainly didn't vote for this shit, and a uh, few people did, and I feel sorry for those people that did. Today's all about the frustration that we have with, with top-down approach, with legislation that's not fit for purpose. That, that's the essence of what today's about, and really, really frustrated that our tools of trade or our ability to operate has been uh, legislated away from us. Uh, we're a solution-based farming economy and always have been. Uh, New Zealand are world renowned for innovating their way out of challenges and what we're finding now is legislation is getting in the road of that and, and the youth thing is just the straw that broke the camel's back. There's a real, uh, I think, combined sense of uh, frustration that, uh, that the community is feeling 
And this is an opportunity for them to kind of express that in some way. But, you know, there's a whole lot of detail in behind that that's, uh, that's sort of really driving it. And it's mainly around what I would describe as a tsunami of... Uh, of rules, regulations, and legislative changes that have uh, that have been pushed out onto the uh, onto the rural sector and are having quite a significant impact. The key things that are having an impact uh, at this point in time are around a lot of the unworkable rules associated with the essential freshwater regulations. I guess the impact of the zero carbon bill. And so the pushback is not so much against uh, environmental change itself. The problem is, is that the purpose of regulation should be to help uh, capture those that are laggards. But what we're seeing at the moment is really highly prescriptive um, uh, regulations that are coming out that are telling the good farmers how to farm. And when it's having an impact on their livelihoods, that tends to flow over into rural communities. What I hope is that there's a, there's a real sense of encouragement from one another, that people recognise that they're perhaps not alone in this journey, that we're all in it together. And, uh, and so there's a good sense that that will happen. This is a group of people that are really concerned about the direction the government's taking. We're rural people, but we're also there's business owners and lots of community members here today who are just wanting them to be heard. We're not being heard by the government. The problem with this tax is that it doesn't take into consideration that there are no EV utes at this stage. Um, there won't be probably until the middle of this decade. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to be taxed on the ones we buy. Um, the other thing is, is that Utes aren't um, toys for us, they're our business vehicles. We're here today because we're uh, standing up against unworkable regulations. Farmers have had too many unworkable regulations put on them in the last 12 months and it's time that we took a stand and did something to actually show the people of New Zealand that this is just crazy stuff that we're having to live with. And it's uh, not only farmers, of course, it's also tradies and, uh, and people in uh, the urban areas as well. And we've had, a, you know, people have said, you know, is this an urban-rural uh, confrontation thing? But it's certainly not because we've had so much support from urban people. It's just amazing. Yeah, I think the thing that's broke the camel's back is definitely the ute tax. Um, people have had enough to contend with and then this ute tax comes up, which has actually done more to unite us than anything else, um, because, simply because... We have no other options. UV vehicles, they're just not there. So uh, this has really brought us together and we stand with the tradesmen and tradespeople over this. Also, uh, look, we've just got tractors pouring in here. We seem to have filled up behind us and now they're all going over there. Over that side, we seem to have hundreds of utes pouring in and in another place somewhere around town, uh, we've got trucks. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be quite an amazing day. And we've got the weather right. This is what the weather's always like in Gore, New Zealand. Um, place to be. Yeah, we're, look, look, we're really thrilled that this is, what, nine months down the track from our first protest. And, um, yeah, that's just blowing our mind. Eh? We just really appreciate all the uh, rural people and urban people, um, trades people that have come out to support this. We just hope this sends a loud message to the New Zealand government that they need to be listening to the uh, rural and um, tradespeople. Bryce, you've made your speech. You're about to head out into Gore for the protest. Tell me how you're feeling about what's going on around the country. Really overwhelmed, Rachel. I think this has been unbelievable. I'm so proud of the rural 
community and the tradespeople standing up together and showing just how much stress we're under. We're actually at Ellerslie Showgrounds now, but it's almost like every man and his dog, or should I say every man and his tractor, has been out on Auckland's Northern Motorway this morning. We joined them at about 8 o'clock from Pukekohe, uh, where we then met up with the Majuri and we started that motorway trail with them. But the support has just been unreal. Every overbridge that we went under, there was tens or twenties of people with these big signs showing their support. There you go, amazing scenes throughout the country. Welcome back to Counterspin. I'm here with Brad Flutie, the co-host for this show. Uh, our first guest joining us via Skype is Jamie McFadden. He's one of the Groundswell New Zealand's national coordinators and the chairman of the Rural Advocacy Network. I hope I've got that right. Welcome to Counterspin, Jamie. Hello. <laughs> yes, you did get that right. Awesome. Okay, to all intents and purposes, it was indeed a hell of a protest. I had to write that in. Excuse the pun. Um, <clears throat> give us your analysis of the day. How many people attended in, in uh, the area you you were, and the general feeling out there among our farming, agriculture, and of course, trading sectors, and most importantly, where to from here, sir? Okay. Well, we uh, certainly didn't expect the turnout that we got. Uh, some of the towns, like I went to Christchurch and Ashburton on the day, spoke at both. We were sort of thinking numbers two or three hundred. And yet uh, Christchurch, oh, I'm not sure how many were there, but Ashburton, there was 970 vehicles. Oh. That's tractors and utes mostly. Uh, and number of people, they thought maybe a couple of thousand people. So over the whole country, I, I'd be guessing if we averaged 500 for each of the 50, 55 or 57 towns, then we're probably looking somewhere between twenty and 30,000 people coming out on the day. That's huge. So... We never, ever expected that. And we didn't expect the range of people, uh, urban people, business people, tradespeople, uh, even the councils, the count, uh, the mayors coming out and supporting us in Blenheim. Yeah, that's a good... Uh, we just we just seem <coughs> to galvanise so much support. Brad? Awesome. Hey, Jamie, how are you going, mate? Good. Hey, what's the initial feedback from government circles? I noticed, uh, oh, sorry, that's the wrong question. Farmers, uh, growers <laughs> and tradies are the silent majority. Drill down into the core here. What are the main concerns that motivated thousands to go and down their tools and make their voices heard? Oh, I think it was just everyone's had enough, and that's why we came up with the slogan, enough is enough. Uh, it's just an avalanche of compliance, an avalanche of state control, an avalanche of costs. Uh, and it's just, uh, yep, people just put a stake in the ground and said enough is enough. <clears throat> What's the initial feedback from government circles? I noticed Jacinda Ardern did a live to address the protest. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, the feeling I got was the usual, yes, we hear you, but we're going to ram it down your throat anyway. What are your thoughts? Uh, I couldn't watch the whole live. Um it was just uh, dripping in so much <laughs> sarcasm, or I don't know what it was, but I just couldn't watch it. Yeah, no, you know, just, just dripping it, in it so much hypothetical that, virtue. Yeah. 
it lacked that sincerity and it was just so I don't know PR spin uh yeah I just couldn't watch it all I didn't watch it all I still haven't yeah P- PR is her background I mean she's got a <clears throat> background in massaging facts to suit narratives and to make people buy into well, it I- yeah, I think what the government, looking at their response in the last day or so, I think what they've decided to do is come across cross with the the big charm, and um, the charm make themselves yeah yeah, and they've really laid it on big time. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see if that works in their favour or yeah. not. You got seven point seven years, seven main demands. Well, we've probably got a few more than that too, <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, fresh. It's uh, environmental regulations are the main one. Yeah. So it's freshwater, indigenous biodiversity. I guess the main one's the RMA. I mean, the RMA is as a piece of legislation. It's it's a mess. Terrible. It's so the whole environmental regulation, the RMA. It's all just a mess. And connected in with the RMA is the freshwater, indigenous biodiversity, and then you've got climate change, which is also a mess. Some of the policies coming out there. Yeah, Brad. Right. Yeah, I just I think that if they continue to hammer farmers like this, urban areas are going to have to ask themselves the question: Are they do they want to be able to afford their food? Because um, <laughs> the mo- I don't think this country can take much more virtue, money, and no results. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, well, I think the um, the other thing that's interesting is that this is going to what we're getting as farmers is going to come and hit the urban people too. And I get the feeling that quite a few of them are now realising that, like SNA, significant natural areas, that um, if that new legislation comes in, then a lot of Wellington, a lot of Lower Hutt, a lot of the um, Kapiti Coast cat towns, people are going to get um, their you know properties zoned as SNAs, and they're going to wake up too and suddenly realise it's not just farmers yep. that have been that have been um, taken over by the government. Have you guys got any uh, further protests planned going forward? Oh, yeah, we're working on that, but definitely, definitely. Just let me guess the anticipation um, for the government feedback won't be (laughs) favourable? Well, we we, we put a stake in the ground and we're just going to keep going. That's good. So, yeah. Please tell me a rates freeze is coming. (laughs) Pardon? Please tell me a rates freeze is coming. Well, anything's – well, not quite anything, but there's a lot of things on the table, and Friday – July the 16th was uh, our starting point and we decided to put just a very um, well-behaved um, start to our campaign. Yeah, I've, I've said it from the beginning that the farming and agriculture sectors, of course, backed by the tradies who build the city and the truckers who cartage everything around, you've been the backbone of every recovery we have had, and the only reason we've had those recoveries, and yet you are the industry most at risk of now of being completely obliterated, and it's almost on purpose. What do you think about that? Um, well, it has been obliterated, and what's happening around here, and it's been quantified by research from Otago University, is that our traditional farming families are are being pushed off the land, and, and they're fed up with it. And so what we're seeing is, not in all cases, but we're seeing a shift from traditional family farms to corporates, overseas owners, and carbon forestry. Yeah. 
and that that's been quantified by Otago University research as well. It's almost as though they want to get the traditional farming families off the land, um, and they want to. I don't know. Do they want to turn the whole country into a conservation park or something? I'm not quite sure what they want to it do. It pretty much looks like that. And and Brad and I, in the second part, half of the show, will be discussing exactly that, the science around the fact that we're actually carbon negative. So while they're talking about climate change and all that rubbish, um, we should actually be getting millions and millions of dollars in from all these carbon trading uh, credit schemes. But yet we're not. They're making you guys pay more. For it. It's a have. It's just a have. Yeah, well, I, I don't understand it either when you've got what we're doing as farmers in New Zealand, and yet overseas like Borneo, um, and South America, they're still clearing, what is it, a million hectares of native um, forest a year? <clears throat> yep, and it just goes to show it has nothing to do with climate change. It's all about money at no. the end of the day. Power and control. Well, power and control. Where well, control's definitely there, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Uh, how how can people get hold of you, follow your progress, and uh, jump on and support where they can? Well, we've got a Groundswell NZ Facebook page, and the website's just up and running. Um, it's been we never expected the 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 interest and the support that we got, so we're sort of going to have to regroup and say, okay, guys, we're just a bunch of farmers and rural business people that have thrown this together, but now. <laughs> Now we're going to have to look at, you know, how we structure the campaign going forward. Yeah, in all honesty, mate, if you got all you blokes together throughout the country and continued, you could easily create a party and be the next government, push these hacks out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. I quite enjoy just working on the land. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if the they best blokes don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Pardon? What was that? All the best people don't want to do it. Yeah, I just love doing what, what we're doing. I mean, we work with farmers just restoring nature on the land, planting waterways, planting wetlands. I just love doing yeah. that. Yeah, farmers know how to take care of their land. They've, they've done it for generations. And all they ever do is highlight the one, two bad farmers throughout the country and say this is what they're doing. I mean, they they dodgy the results of the water test. They take them up where the birds are crapping in the um in the waterways and test that instead of what goes off the farms because the runoff is often cleaner than what comes on. It's actually mostly the um, the corporates that work with the Crown Corporation, the big massive conglomerates. Are They're the, the dirty ones bastards, that are the dirty yeah. bastards. And those are the ones that are going to take advantage of the fact that the, the regular Kiwi farmers have been forced off their land during Labor's incompetent nine years. Yeah. As you can mm. see, Jamie, we're uh, 100% in support of the farmers. Pretty biased, obviously. But um, yeah, well, the water, the water one's interesting because we've done a w lot of work locally here, um, and we've exposed a number of uh, what's the word lies that's absolutely. been done by the um, councils and even fish and game over the state of our waterways, and we've exposed some blatant uh, misrepresentation of the data. Um, so yeah. Mm. It, it's not just at a national level, it's at, at, at our local level as well. Just goes to show what they say, information warfare, that's where we are. Yep, yep. I appreciate your time, Jamie. We know so, you'll yeah, be... We'll... No, yep. carry on. If you've got anything else to say, you spit it out. Uh, no, I've probably <laughs> probably covered it. Happy to, happy to respond to any curly questions. Oh, I had a few, but the producer said, no, you better not go there. Got it. 
Okay. Oh, yeah, because apparently we want you back on the show, um, <clears throat> which is fine. <clears throat> well, um, <laughs> I can I can take anything. I've had um, all sorts of crap over my time and dealing with these oh, issues. Well, what do you say to the people that say you're all racist and white supremacists? Oh, are they saying that about us? Oh, they? Like, one placard. Yeah, there was one placard in like millions. Um, but you've had a couple of uh, people going on who are probably more white than they are brown going on about uh, farmers complaining about losing their land, you know, dial it back 100 years and and look at us. Well, that dude wasn't even alive then, so I don't know what the hell he's talking about. It's just one of these critical race theory what? people, you know, buying into the government narrative that well, everyone's a victim. Well, even that one person who had that sign, and, you know, you're always going to have people that go off the topic. Yep. which the topic was the, the, the farmers are sick of having unworkable regulations forced on them. That's right. And so you're going to have the odd individual come in and, and be mad about something completely different being yep. forced on them, like a, a <coughs> Māori language yep. being forced on them. Yep. I agree. Like, yes, we should celebrate Māori language more. That's not relevant to the point we're protesting. Um, we're just getting angry at a whole bunch of stuff because we're having things forced on us that we don't like. Demi. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I mean, when when I work with farmers, I'm always looking at opportunities for, you know, enhancing cultural values, mahinga kai, that sort of thing. So it's not an argument about that. It's just an argument about what's being forced on us. But interesting about the signs, I mean, if we had twenty to 30,000 people and they could find just one sign and one little bit of misbehaviour where a guy grabbed a, grabbed a sign out of a woman's hands, man, that's incredible that we only, they could only find those two. The other thing with that sign, we don't know who wrote that sign. That might not have been a farmer that wrote that sign. Probably wasn't. They conveniently left yeah. the registration plate out after the <clears throat> the MP in question was quite happy doxing other people. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Now we appreciate having you on, Jamie. And um, okay. I encourage everyone to go to the Groundswell New Zealand Facebook page, uh, follow them there, and I'm sure we're going to have some – Early times coming up. Also, check out the Rural Advocacy Network. So yes. Jamie, Jamie spends a lot of his time um, consulting with farmers and helping them out. As Probably got said. a number of different suits too. Yep, so head, head over to www.ruraladvocacynetwork.nz. Brilliant. So, yep, the main one we're using at the moment is the Groundswell one because that's the brand name that's going nationwide. But um, our Rural Advocacy Network, we're just going to focus on locally here and continue to support the Groundswell campaign. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time, and we'll uh, definitely okay. have you on again. Okay, hey, Jamie. Thank you. Thanks very much. Okay, people, we'll take a quick break in support of another one of our regular co-hosts, uh, Damien Dement, and here's an advert just for him. Take a look. GoBizIT.com designs, implements, trains, and maintains Zoho business systems and tools that can run any organization of any size in any industry at half the price of Salesforce CRM and a regular best business choice by PC Magazine. It's perfect for startups and also larger organizations wanting to migrate away from expensive CRMs that fail to deliver real value. Zoho is not part of the emerging technocracy. It's a private US corporation with research and development in India. So Zoho doesn't inflate your per user pricing to increase its share value in the stock market. Unlike Salesforce, Google, Microsoft, and the rest of Wall Street. 
GoBizIT.com always recommends Zoho One. One login, unbeatable value with over 45 category-leading apps for both desktop and mobile. With over 60 million happy customers in 190 countries, Zoho truly means business. GoBizIT.com is a Zoho partner based in beautiful New Zealand, creating happy customers worldwide since 2012. Okay, welcome to Kevin Media again. You're back. Our next guest Skyping in is Tanya Gibson. She's the Grey District Mayor. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Hello. Um, now, we understand that you're attending the Blenheim event led by Groundswell in New Zealand, but unfortunately we're unable to stay due to flooding within your district. Uh, the Army's been bought in, I believe, and can you bring us up to speed on that situation and its current status? Uh, well, I'm Mayor of the Grey District, and we've actually been quite lucky. We um, avoided having the civil defence emergency, but we had quite a lot of um, surface flooding, and we had our floodgates up out of precautions. But um, our Buller neighbours, they're, they're having a very rough time up there now, so our thoughts are with them. And um, they've got a really big um, clean-up operation that they'll be having over the next few months. Not very good up there. Mm, well, hey, hey, Tracy, see, it's Brayden here. How you going? Hey, uh, you have been speaking out on behalf of your district against the SNAs, and you even wrote a letter to all rural and provincial mayors asking for their support in the battle against SNAs, which you say is theft by regulation, and I agree. What are your thoughts on the Groundswell NZ event and the growing pushback against SNAs and other regulatory measures? I think the Groundswell event was amazing. I think that rural communities... We're just fed up to deal with it, and um, everyone's had a guts full. The poor rural communities, like the regulation and everything that they're doing um, at the moment with the government and the SNAs, it's it's just all raining down on them, and it's getting very tough. So I applaud their actions. Yeah, you've done, you've done a great job, because I tell you what, in this day and age, it's not really a good thing sometimes for people to speak out, as you have. A lot of people are afraid to put their head above the parapet and take the incoming. But you've actually stood your ground, and that's what's actually impressed us here the most. There's very few people who will actually stand for the people who have elected them. Because as you know, and we know, usually the mayors are hogtied by the unelected officials in the background who try to dictate and tell them what to do. How are you managing to survive the barrage? Well, I'm voted in to, to support my ratepayer in their views. And, you know, sitting back has not actually helped us. We've tried to sit at the table. We've written, written to the government. We've tried with the farmers and... Um, we're just not getting anywhere. And, you know, what um, I'm trying to get out there to our ratepayers is they think that maybe it doesn't affect them, but it does affect them because if we're going to have to implement them, this um, SNA system, then they are going to pay for this. And Southland predicted over a 6% rate rise, and we've just come out with 99 Our communities can't wow. keep affording to do this. And I don't think that our um, ratepayers want to take private land off their own people, and I certainly don't think they want to be paying that. And... We already have 84% um, of our land on the West Coast in Docker State. And, you know, this is proposing to take another private 10% of our land. So, you know, what do we have left? Yeah, true. It's been often said that the local government is a cutaway for the national government. How much power do you actually have to be able to push back effectively? Well, we're just not being listened to. I mean, as I said, uh, well, as you said before, we, I, we wrote three mayors of the West Coast, our regional chair, and our iwi leaders, our two iwi leaders have written to Minister Shaw about our concerns, and he hasn't even bothered to reply. 
So, well, you know, it's we, ignorance. What do we, you know, and this um, staff contacted him and he replied to them straight away, you know, and he said that it was a few Pakeha farmers down south stirring up trouble. So, <coughs> you know, how wow. disrespectful was that to leaders? And if, if we can't get anywhere, we need to start speaking out like this. It's just not fair. Yeah, that's, that is, in fact, in that repl- response, it's almost like a bit of race baiting as well, isn't it? Yeah, so it's just unaccountable statements that have no backing. And, you know, is it trying to gain popularity? I mean, the rural-urban divide is getting further and further advanced, and comments like that just don't help it. But that's how out of touch that somebody that is making rules and policies for our district is, and they don't even come down, and they only consult with who they want to consult with. Yeah, I agree. you know, someone in government or in power can have an idea or an ideology and... You know, people's livelihoods are at risk here and people are at their wit's end. Hey, Tanya, what would you say to people that um, would sort of query, uh, say to you that, you know, isn't, aren't these SNA regulations about preserving the environment? Like, do you think that this is the best way to preserve our environment or do you have other suggestions that you hope James Shaw would listen to? Well, the whole thing is is that, um, you know, the QE2 covenant system, uh, farmers were quite happy with that system. And um, farmers have looked after their land around the country and the people with the most wetlands or SNA on the land now, it's a more burden to them because they actually have looked after them, but it's causing an adverse effect. And what people are actually trying to do now is clear land as quick as they can. And they're really upset that they have to do that to land that they're looked after, but they're terrified for the future and um, if this will be slapped on their land. I mean, we have an 87-year-old farmer who, you know, worked on his family land since he was seven years old. It's been mined, it's been logged, regenerating bush, and the whole farm is covered in SNA and wetlands. Wow. It's rendered that farm worthless. And he doesn't want to even touch it. But, you know, what, <laughs> what does this do? He just wants to be left alone. Yeah, yeah rightfully so. We had a meeting up in Kaikoi and we had um, a, a Māori community member stand up and he said that, you know, if you're going to go and put government regulations and slap SNAs over my property, I'm just going to go and turn into a rat bag and clear everything so you can't call it an SNA. So we're, we're actually seeing negative repercussions of this angle rather than positive, positive um, outcomes. And that's what, you know, like the Climate Change Commission report, the government are putting out um, calls to plant native and someone from another district has contacted me and said that they thought they were doing a great thing. They've planted 15,000 manuka plants and now they're threatened with an SNA. So, you know, so don't plant native. You know, we all want native and all these people that, you know, want to protect their land and want to keep it the way it is. It's just, you know, one of the farmers said 475,000 to fence and maintain and pay rate, well, he still has to pay rates on that land, yet 170 or 150,000 to clear ballots. Yeah, our previous guy, Jamie McFadden, we just had him on. Um, he, like us, has found a glaringly obvious misrepresentation of facts and massaged um, figures that the government brings out to justify these measures that they're willing to push upon farmers and the rural sector, uh, primarily around this whole climate change hoax. Um, yet, yet you have a look at the farmers, intergenerational ones, who have, as you say, very much looked after their farms, and it's a lot better now than it ever has been, and yet they continue to lie through their teeth and give what is demonstrably proven to be falsehoods out there. Isn't there some sort of comeback to hold them 
to account? Well, that's it. They just they just don't seem to listen. I mean, we saw the reaction from Minister Parker, Minister Shaw, Minister O'Connor about the um, protests and um, the Prime Minister, and they've just really ignored it. I mean, look what the cycle um, protest has got. The farmers got nothing. Yeah, mm. yeah, you're you know, right. So it, it's um, just blatant, you know. And as we say, there are a few people out there that do need to, um, you know, be pulled into line. But the ones that are doing a good job, you know, the one-size-fits-all policies just don't work. And our relationship with our ratepayers and our landowners are being set up to fail by the government doing their dirty work for them. Absolutely. Brad? Oh, that's all for me. Yeah. Now, you, we, we, we 100% support you down there. Like I said, when I was um, following your progress before and we're finding – because I tell you what, it is rare that you actually get publicly elected officials – who actually do the job they're elected for, and you're one of them, a complete gem. Yeah. Well, what are we bloody there for? We don't do that. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, that's what we should be asking Jacinda and her CCB pack minions. Well, exactly. <laughs> no, appreciate it, and uh, thank you very much for spending the time to, to come on the show with us, and we hope to be able to speak to you again. Thanks. We are 100% in support much. of you. Awesome. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. <clears throat> we need more public servants like that don't we mate oh we need we need a shitload of them mm. excuse the uh what's that french or whatever um That's so compost. <laughs> yeah okay we we're now going to um play a, a clip uh, an interview we had when we were up in um whangarei at the Grandswell protest there arranged um uh, we're going to uh, interview Hi, Linda. Uh, she's a Mungus Petty farmer. Uh, her and her family, got to give a shout out. Highly intelligent people, obviously, because they watch Counterspin. Yep. And um, <laughs> so this is her. And um, what she says is, you know, demonstrates uh, the sentiment of a lot of others around the country. Have a look. Hi, I'm Linda. Um, I live at Mungus Petty. Uh, we're farmers. Oh, look at that. We're back. We had a bit of a technical issue here while we're trying to bring our next guest in by Skype. Like I said, we don't edit here, so that will continue. <laughs> that'll just go out there, Brad. Yep. Okay. 
<clears throat> let's hope we've got this right. Uh, now let's bring in Rob Wilson from the Agricultural Action Group. Rob, welcome to the Counterspin. Hi, Calvin. Uh, thanks for having me on. Okay, you've, you've been up and down the country, not only speaking about the legislation, which was the discussion and the uh, reason for Groundswell New Zealand's uh, recent uh, protest rally, uh, but you've also been hearing concerns from the various sectors as well. What's the general feel out there? Um, the general feel is one of frustration and anger. Um, people have had enough, basically, um, and we saw that with the groundswell hell of a protest. Uh, the country came out en masse to voice their frustration, their anger, their displeasure, uh, and let the government know that uh, we're not going to put up with it any longer. It was an amazing day, great to see. Yeah, it was fantastic. Actually, we've we've played a few montages, and we've we just uh, recently spoke to um, Jamie McFadden and uh, Tanya Gibson, the Grey District Mayor. Now, there's one elected official who's actually doing what she was elected for and standing her ground on behalf of her constituents. We need a hell of a lot more like that, especially a national government. Um, and as she said, the, the national government, the Jacinda Ardern-led Labour government, um, they're just not listening, no matter what they say. They try to get in touch with them and that, and they get ignored, but someone like Stuff, you know, bought and paid for media, um, are answered immediately. Yeah, I mean, the responses we've seen from the government post the protest, uh, particularly from the likes of David Parker and Jacinda Ardern and um, Grant Robertson as well, uh, these guys are the height of arrogance uh, and the, the dismissive manner in which they have viewed the protests uh, and responded to them is only going to further stoke anger and um, the the will of the people to uh, put this right. Uh, you know, this is something we've seen throughout history where the hubris and arrogance of the ruling class um, who think themselves above the rest of us uh, ultimately brings about their demise. Um, they're, they're literally sowing the seeds of their own Destruction, uh, hopefully. Through, through their behaviour. Yeah. Now, we, we said previously that uh, before the last election, to which I still believe to this day, and I'll keep going on about it, I'll harp on about it until I die, is that that election was rigged. There's no way in hell that farming, especially in the rural sector, has gone to a vote for their own evisceration, which is exactly what Labour and the Greens were promising. You vote for us, we'll get rid of farming because it's an old relic or thing of the past. Do you believe... I'll ask you because you're, you're a mate and uh, we, we talk about these things. Do you believe that the election was rigged? Have you found anyone in your area that, that's actually voted for Labour? Uh, one is the is the key word. We have found one person who has admitted to voting two ticks for Labour within the rural community. And, uh, you know, we've been in front of literally now thousands of farmers. Uh, it's something we bring up all the time at our meetings. And... Uh, it, it's normally met with anger that we would even suggest such a thing. Um, farmers did not vote in any uh, great number uh, to tick Labour. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind uh, that the election here was rigged as it was in the US and as we're starting to see come out um, over there. Uh, All over the world. You know, AAG's always sort of been at the forefront of... Um, the information battle uh, that's going on in the rural sector, just as you guys are in the overall uh, media sector. And um, we've said from the start that this election was rigged. We have um, uh, political statisticians who have come out and said that 
it was statistically impossible what happened in the South Island electorates. All of them swinging to Labour by an approximate uniform 21%, I think was the correct number. Yeah, that's um, machines. Yeah, and same machines, same people as were involved in the US were here just prior to our election. Um, and, uh, you know, they're all best mates with uh, the key people in our government. So, yeah, yeah well, we, we don't have concrete proof yet, but we have, as you know, good people working on it. And uh, there is a lot of um, anecdotal evidence that suggests there was indeed tampering with the election here in New Zealand. Yeah, and of course the mail-in ballot, which is the thing that's changed elections all over the world, like you say, in the US, that is now, and all of those of us who stood by our position that the US election was rigged are now being proven to be absolutely correct, and the leftist media and Jacinda Ardern and her cronies, because she was one of the very first people to congratulate Joe Biden, the clueless twit, of being the US president, which he is not, he's an illegitimate president, the facts and figures are now falling our way. So to all those people who ridiculed and rubbished us and all those left-wing rags who called us conspiracy tin-pot hair-wearing clowns, suck it, because we are right. So you And, and I agree with you, this election was rigged without a doubt. Brad? Hey Rob, Brad here. How you going? Hey, hey, Brad. Sorry, I didn't see you there before, but um, and I can't see you at the moment either. But um, yeah, great, to, great to see you again, figuratively hey, speaking. Hey, it's great to talk to you finally, Rob. You know, I have a lot of respect for you. You're a very brave man. You and Heather are standing out, standing up strong for your beliefs, uh, even if it's unpopular. It doesn't matter. You're standing there with a the backbone, and you're doing what we need out there for our advocacy groups. Uh. What's AAG currently focusing on with this pushback and how can people get involved and support you in this? Uh, thanks for the kudos, Brad, and um, uh, much the same back to you as well. I mean, we know what you've done over the years as far as um, standing up for what's right. So, um, yeah, an honour to be on the programme with you. Um, AAG is basically just continuing on with what we've been doing uh, with a couple of tweaks, and that is trying to educate people about the the base causes of the issues that we're facing here in this nation, particularly around issues such as the United Nations agendas and the World Economic Forum, uh, and their attempts to financially control us all um, with the Great Reset. Uh, we're also covering things around remedy with regard to uh, contract law, um, allodial claims on land, which you guys, uh, Counterspin, have obviously paved the way for us to be able to do that, um, and all the other different options in between, depending on people's situation and what level of understanding and um, what their needs are individually with regard to running their businesses, their farms, um, etc. And the key message that we like to promote at all of our meetings is one of unity. It doesn't matter if you're from the rural areas, the cities, uh, whether you're a member of AAG, Groundswell, Farm, Rural Advocacy Network. I know you had Jamie McFadden on prior to me from Rural Advocacy Network. Awesome guy, doing amazing things. Has been for many, many years, decades in fact, uh, in, in his own quiet way. Um, you know, Fifty Shades of Green, Ag Proud, there's there's so many voices for freedom. You guys, um, you know, Freedom Factory, on and on and on. Uh, so many good people out there, 
all doing their own thing in their own niche and uh, just having an amazing effect. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes say I almost have a little bit of sympathy for the government, and I am joking, but, um, <laughs> but they're getting it from every angle, and uh, it, it's growing by the day, and every time they turn around to have a snipe at someone, there's 10 others behind their back ready to come in and attack. Um, it, it really is an incessant um, movement, a unified movement now uh, against not just this government, but the system as a whole that has been used to enslave us for so long. And it's a hugely exciting time to be around. Um, and, and AAG are just one small part of that. Um, we're just trying to do what we can in the best way that we're able with the knowledge and skills we have. And we're learning as we go along as well and, and tweaking things, hopefully, to be able to reach more people. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how I see our role. We're just one small part of the big cog of everyone working together to, to get our country back, get our freedom back. That's awesome. awesome. So what else you got on the agenda coming up? What's, what's, what's your um, – have you got your farm back up to date or <laughs> – uh, that's, that's a never-ending battle. Um, yeah, my businesses and, and the farm uh, and the family all tend to take second place at times. Um, and uh, yeah, especially to my family, kudos for all the sacrifices they make uh, to allow me to do what I'm doing. Uh, it, it really is a strain at times, um, yeah. as you guys will all know. Um We've got more meetings coming up, public meetings. Uh, we've got Ash Burton up in Canterbury, I think Waimati, uh, Central Otago, several meetings planned for up through there, the Mackenzie country. And then we've got a week of meetings up in the North Island being organised as we speak. So um, no rest for the wicked. And um, we're also constantly working in with other groups um, in any way we can to support what they're doing, you know, whether it be Groundswell or Voices for Freedom and and um, farm, rural advocacy network, and counterspin, uh, and counterspin, etc., etc., etc. You know, social. A, a key point I always like to make is, um, I don't care who you are, if your heart and intent are pure, that you're fighting for freedom for all of us. I'll, I'll work with anyone, and yeah, absolutely. Um, hope, hopefully, other people would feel the same way about us. You know, um, yeah. the the intent is to reclaim our freedom for all. Uh, not just farmers and um, anyone who's on that train, um, we're on board. So where, where, where can people find you guys? Uh, so we're online, Facebook, um, Agricultural Action Group. Uh, our website, uh, www.aag.org.nz. Um, I hope I got that right. <laughs> uh just try all the uh, different ending domains and you'll find them. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's, that's right. I'm, I'm 100% on that, www.aag.org.nz. Yeah, it is. We just um, checked. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, on both of those platforms, you will find our personal contact details as well. Anyone can get in touch with us at any time if they've got questions or want to help out in any way. Um, I am very slow at getting back to people via email in particular I have a backlog of I think I think it'll be you know in the hundreds of emails um, because obviously I have a couple of businesses I operate as well as all this so um, 
it, it's a full-time job, uh, but I do eventually get back to everyone, so don't give up people who are still waiting for a reply. Uh, I will get to you. Um, Heather Mary uh, Pennycock and Fred Roberts, uh, the other two founding members of AAG, are the same. You know, we're, we're here for the people. Uh, anyone can contact us anytime. Um, we're just normal people like everyone else uh, doing our bit to try and turn this uh, situation around. And um, yeah, we're open to talking to anyone, uh, any, anyone who's got uh, constructive criticism about how we can do things better. Um, we welcome it. You know, there's only one way we're going to get better at doing this and win, and that's being honest about uh, what we're doing. Uh, our own personal limitations and how we can improve things as we go along. So, yeah, just um, it's the old story. If, if people sit back and wait for someone else to do it, it's never going to happen. Um, everyone, we'd encourage you to get involved, get talking to us, to the other groups, become a part of them, be proactive, yeah. help out in whatever little way you can. Um, you don't have to be the next Gandhi or Martin Luther King. Um, you just do what you can do, and um, if we're all doing that together, unified, um, it's inevitable we're going to win this. Yeah, let's hope so. See, the thing that astounds me, and I think something that needs to be highlighted, is the fact that people like yourself who work your guts out um, shouldn't have to take time away from your businesses and family, put those at risk, just to push back against the government that should be a damn facilitator, not a dictator. They're definitely not working for us. That's That's plainly obvious they've got an agenda they're rolling out and come hell or high water they're going to push it through regardless but you say there's finally a pushback and we always said when the farming and agricultural communities as well as the tradies and the truckers and all that get together and they decide that's it you have the ability to shut that country down this country down immediately and force that government out you could actually close it all down and still feed the people and say until you step down and get out and we put someone in who's actually going to work in the interest of this nation, they wouldn't, they wouldn't stand a chance. All you've got to do is push that button because I tell you what, they're bringing the hammer down on you fast, aren't they? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Calvin. We, um, we create all the structures that govern us with our beliefs. Yeah. If it doesn't work for us anymore, we can stop believing in it and create something that we do believe in. And Rob from Agricultural Action Group is doing that. All of these groups are setting up because things are untenable and we need to do something about it. Yeah, Yeah, right on. Um, You know, I I used to be an angry young man. I'm now an extremely angry older man. Um, (laughs) Having to, all of us know this, having to leave our businesses, our lives, our families and go out there at our own expense and give up everything we have, basically, to fight a bunch of sociopathic, psychopathic scumbags yep. uh, 100% who agree. are intent only on enabling their own power, control and wealth at our expense. Um, you know, it, it just, it really makes me angry beyond words almost at times when I do dwell on it and I try not to dwell on it. Because so much of our lives that could be productive and happy and, um, mm. you know, just a, a wonderful time here on this earth uh, is being taken away from us because of what these people are doing. And, um, 
man, you know, the quicker we can put a stop to it, the better. We can all get back to our lives and our families and, um, you know, live a, live a happy life. Uh, so that's, that really drives me 24-7. Um, you know, I'd had enough a long time ago. Thank God the rest of the country is starting to feel and act the same way. Yeah, agreed. I'll tell you something they don't talk about, which they damn well should, and mainstream media should cover it, but they don't because they're bought and paid for journalistic whores. But what about the suicide rates in the farming uh, community? People who have to attend their mate's funeral because they've been driven into debt. These regulations are strangling them. What about all the children? We've got the highest youth suicide rate in the world. What are we doing in this country that's driving our young kids, who before they even start a future, knocking themselves off? This is just ridiculous, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge problem in the rural community, the mental health um, situation. Uh, I've got personal friends who have either successfully committed suicide or attempted to. Um, that just adds a whole other level of anger to to the situation as far as I'm concerned. You know, the, it's just literally criminal what these people are doing to the good people of New Zealand. Um, the situations they're pushing them into, uh, the sense of hopelessness. Um, and, uh, you know, all kudos to Mike King recently handing in his medal and, and highlighting the absolute hypocrisy uh, and criminal behaviour of this government and successive governments. Let's, let's call it what it is. Yeah. The system as a whole uh, towards the people it is supposed to serve. Mm. Um, it, it's all part of the big picture uh, and um, it is systemic. You know, a key part of the message we give at our meetings is that if you're looking for a political fix, if you think voting in another one of the parties we have available to us or even something new um, is going to fix this country, you know, in a in a meaningful and long term manner. Uh, you're living the definition of insanity. Um, we need a we need a restructure. We need a system that truly delivers the power into the hands of the people, so that they control their own destiny, not some group of elitist, arrogant people in Wellington who think they know what's best for us, when clearly that is the complete opposite. No, you're, exactly, you're, you're right, actually, yeah. and he's right. You can't keep... It's like basically like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. The ship's going down, and it's going down in a bad way, and until we address that... And I'll tell you what, the politicians are simply your, your bluff and fluff. It's a new one, bluff and fluff. Mm. We'll use that in the future. Um, and they'll just they spin. You know what I mean? It's like just since she'll come up with her pearly whites, big pearly whites, and she'll be smiling and telling everyone, you know, how much she cares, be kind, and all the stuff they pay. She paid millions to get these uh, advertising PR companies to get for them so they could brainwash people into it. And using her sustained propaganda and her one source of truth, um, they're actually peddling the same lies over and over again. They've been caught flat out, and especially in your farming industry, lying about the figures. I mean, you highlighted it yourself. And and they're just basically then feeding that into the main population through the idiot box, you know, mainstream media. And uh, people are actually buying into it, and they're causing a divide. They're not only causing a race divide, but a socioeconomic divide. They're causing political divides. Everything is about division and about power and control. And until we address that and we target, hunt down, and get rid of the unelected officials who really run the show... We're never, ever going to change a damn thing, are we? No, no, we're it's not. Rant. And um, I'm going to put it out here 
right now, A, because it's, I think it's critical to how we move forward in the future, and B, it's, it's very succinct. Um, and I've worked for years on trying to develop a system that we could replace the existing one with that would achieve the goals that I see would, would deliver freedom, true freedom for the people of New Zealand. Um, and it's based primarily on the Swiss system of citizens-initiated binding referenda, but it's got a few tweaks and includes a, a constitution. Um, we need that. Very much along the lines of the American Constitution and Bill of Rights, which protects the rights of the individual from the state. Now, that's paramount in any governance system. We don't have it here. It's why we're in such a such a mess and uh, um, able to be taken in, in, down the road that we are currently because there is nothing that controls the government from infringing on the rights of the individual. Um, and if you don't have that, then you, you, the old saying, if you don't stand for something, you know, you'll fall for anything. Well, if there's nothing standing there for us, the government can do anything to us and, and you know, just look at what's, what's happening. Uh, so we have that. We have no politicians. We just have a committee sitting in Wellington or wherever it may be who are there to implement the wishes of the people. Uh, they have no power in and of themselves and the voting system is done through the blockchain so it's incorruptible, it can't be rigged, can't be hacked and Perfect. all legislation is initiated or repealed through the will of the people via binding referenda uh, which is binding on the committee who are tasked with implementing the people's wishes. That's it, that's all you need. Exactly. You don't need politicians. And the best part Get about that is you, because you've got a constitution in place that protects the individual rights and freedoms of people, then the, you can still have majority rule because they can't ever override and inflict their um, wishes on those of the individual themselves. Yeah, so that, right that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm probably one of the first po political candidates that agree with that. Uh, politicians need a constitution that restrains their power because right now, every three years, what you vote, and can do whatever they want. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, right on, Brad. But also, you know, if we want to go down that, that conversation, why do we need a politician? You know, what, what happened to self-governance? What happened to people being able to make their own decisions for their own lives? Exactly. You know, we've, we've been conditioned to believe that we need someone to represent us. No, I don't need anyone to represent me I am me I can govern myself we have all of our basic unalienable human rights protected in a constitution in other words do no harm if you go out and harm someone people go oh you still need the police or um, it'll be anarchy well firstly they need to go and look in the dictionary as to what anarchy is it means without rulers self self-ruling um, yep. It's got nothing to do with guys running around in balaclavas smashing shop windows. Looks like we might have to um, do an episode. I think that would be a damn good governance. idea. That's exactly what we need, an episode. I would, of, I would on, love on to be a part of that if you do. Um, it's This has been you know, pretty much my life's work, um, trying to come up with a structure that would just revolutionise the ability of people to live a happy, free life without all of this overlay of bureaucracy, regulation, enslavement, both financial and personal, 
that we have to suffer under the system. And, and the saddest thing is that most people don't even realise they're slaves. You know, they yeah. they they have yet to wake up to that degree. It's coming and it's happening, uh, and we're seeing it firsthand with what we're doing. But there's a long way to go yet. Um, a Stockholm syndrome is endemic in this country and, and all around the world. People love their they love their slave system, and they're frightened to leave it, which is understandable. Um, and it's not something we can force on people. But I've always unknown. maintained, I've always maintained that people should have a choice. If you like your slavery, and I'm not denigrating people or the system per se, I'm just saying that you should have a choice. If you if you're happy in the system that we have, that's great, and you should be free to go and operate in that system. But if someone isn't, and they're not causing harm to anyone, then they should have the choice to not partake of that system yep, and not to be vilified or persecuted uh, or penalised for that choice. Yeah, because one vote in every three years is not democracy. Oh, that that's... I mean, we don't have time to go into that. We'll have to do our own... We will. You know, we'll do a, a show on that. Absolutely. On Solutions. Yeah. Counterspin Solutions. We'll go for that. Yeah, I mean, and just just like what we're doing with AAG, um, all of this stuff, you can go out and talk about what's wrong, but you've got to have solutions. You know, how do we make it better? How do we how do we make a better world, a better New Zealand, a better community? Um, and this is the sort of conversations that I really think we need to start having as a country because if we're successful, let me rephrase that, when we are successful in tipping this government out, it's going to leave a void. And if we don't have okay, something good to fill that void, something mm. less than that will fill yeah, it. Yeah, it will indeed. So yeah. we'll and do his, that. History we'll, teaches us that. Yeah, we'll do exactly that. We'll have a, we'll actually have a show on that. We'll get together and we'll, we'll have a solution show and discuss these very things because they, they need to happen. So uh, in the meantime, we'll get ready for our next guest to come on. Sue Gray will be joining us to discuss uh, her take on things. And... Um, we are definitely getting you back because you're one man who's got a lot of um, common sense, logic, and reason, which is exactly what we have on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. And just before I go, one last shout-out to Groundswell, Bryce, Laurie, Logan, um, Jamie, all the other people behind the scenes. Just an amazing job what they did. Um, and uh, it will go down in history what happened on last Friday. Absolutely. It, it truly was a turning point for Historical. this country. Thank you all so much. Cool. Yeah. And of course, that was uh, Rob Wilson from the Agricultural Action Network. You can catch them on Facebook and of course, www.aag.org.nz. There you go. I got it right for you, Rob. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll see you again soon. Okay. Okay, we'll get our tech team to bring in um, Sue Gray. She's a co-leader of the Outdoors Party, New Zealand, or New Zealand Outdoors Party? New Zealand Outdoors Party. Yeah. Oh, we're ringing. There we go. We thought we had her online. Thought she's in the background there. And there she is. So, straight on live. <laughs> so yeah, you're, just, you're just straight into it. So there, there's no prep. Yeah, you are. Okay. Um, so thanks for joining us, Sue. Uh, being the co-leader of the Outdoors Party, you're a strong advocate, of course, for the rural sector and outdoors in general. Uh, our previous guests have highlighted the growing concerns of the uh, increasingly draconian legislation that's been passed in their sectors. Um, you were in uh, Blenheim when Groundswell New Zealand rallied there? Yes. 
Well, what was your general feel of it and what other concerns? Because you, I understand you, there was a lot of other concerns being raised around the same time as well. What were those? Yeah, look, Blenheim was amazing. It was so exciting to see people up and awake and doing things and, and actually celebrating being together and celebrating standing up and speaking out. Um, great. It was almost like a party kind of atmosphere. The dogs dressed up and people out there in the streets and tooting the horns, everything. It was just wonderful. Um, my, I mean, there were a lot of issues. The people protesting about the ridiculous ute tax, which may be fine if you live in Auckland, but it's not very practical, as we've just seen with the storms we've had down here in the top of the South Island. True. Uh, would have been really, really handy having an e-vehicle in the last couple of days. Not. Um, yeah. And rescuing people, you know, I mean, it's just, it just highlights how ridiculous it is. Um, the SNA's issue's been going on for a long time down here in Tasman. I think the council might have backed off a bit now. Um, council's starting to listen a bit. But one of the things that amazed me was the um, unanimous kind of view. Like, a lot of people were talking not just about the rural issues, but the hate speech and the just out-of-control draconian government that's making people feel extremely uneasy. You know, we, we never yeah. agree with everything our governments say, but at the moment people are finding very little to agree with and yet the more concerns we have, the less the government will engage with us. And it was really, I thought it was really exciting that, that people were coming together, a lot of rural people, but also a lot of people from all over the place, from the towns, were supporting the rural people and saying, hey, actually we're all in this together. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was absolutely yeah. fantastic watching that. Brad. Yeah. Uh, our previous guests, hey Sue, how are you going? Good, thank you. Hi. Hey, our previous guests have highlighted the growing concern of increasingly damaging legislation to their sectors and the ability to continue in those. We understand you have also heard of other issues and concerns that have been raised when you attended the Blenheim rally by Groundswell NZ. What were those? Well, it, it is. It's just a That's whole... Already, that question's already been asked. Yeah, we've already asked that question. Right. Yeah. I have a better question for yeah, you, Yeah, I said, I said hey. just, just go for it. Just, I said, just hey, ask questions. These are your... Hey, so give us some joggers. One of, the, um, one, of the national, one of the main points for the groundswell protests was the national policy statement yep. on freshwater written with no understanding of the challenges and needs of each specific region in New Zealand. How, how contradictory do you think this is of the, of the government to uh, increase regulations on farmers whilst Nick Smith in the previous government uh, released, removed regulations so they could dump ecotoxins directly into the water. Uh, look, everything is irrational and unreasonable. I've got a perfect example. I've been helping the farmers in Mount Messenger who don't want the Mount Messenger bypass to go through their amazing wetland that is full of kiwi and full of... Um, all sorts of different species, the eels, the, the whole habitat is amazing. So we have Damien O'Connor as the Minister of Linz and as the Minister of Agriculture. On the one hand, he's supposed to be um, telling farmers that they can't destroy wetlands. And on the other hand, he's destroying a magnificent wetland, both on the Mount <laughs> Messenger, the north yeah. side and on the south side. I mean, they just make it up as they go along, from what I can see. Yeah, and it's how hypocrisy that's fine as yeah. Yeah. And how much do you think the use right trading will be involved in the destruction of significant natural areas when it comes to land transport contracts, urban development, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, I haven't had a chance to have a look at the detail of all of that, but 
everything they're doing to me looks like they are nationalizing and then globalizing our rights away from us. Whereas my, my strong exactly view is we should be localizing, letting local people mm. choose local decisions. And so instead of valuing what's important to people, what's important for the land, what's important for our future, they're turning it into a currency and, and giving it away. I mean, we submitted recently on the water services bill. That's another one, the water services bill. So the idea is that the government will nationalise control of all of the water. And now, of course, they've got a problem because we've got councils that invested a huge amount of money in their water and saying, well, you're not going to take it for nothing. So now the government's having to borrow. I've lost track of the number, but I imagine it's in the billions of dollars to buy water rights off of the local councils and the local communities. Well, the first thing is we don't own water anyway. All they can pay for are the services. But they're, they're, they're nationalising. They're going to borrow the money, presumably, from overseas or crash our currency one way or another. What are they going to do? Take security from the – borrow from the Chinese banks and give our water as security? I mean – I hate to think what they're doing. We never hear the detail. They they just tell us what they want to tell us. And I don't even think they're smart enough to think these things through and work out what all the consequences are. That is a key point. You just nailed it. They're not smart enough to know any of the detail themselves because these hacks are told what to do. This is the Great Reset. No more private property. Everything you have is a privilege. It can be taken away as soon as you say no. And and the the whole thing is demonstrably a falsehood. This this clean green image, this um, climate change rubbish, this COVID rubbish. I mean, it's it's like take all your stuff, bankrupt your nation, and uh, commit genocide via this experimental vaccine. It's just it's ridiculous. There's a war against us, and they're targeting us with information and with death. Yeah, it's truly horrendous and it's not surprising that there is so much mental health distress around the country. I mean, I've been connecting with loads of different groups and people are sensing it at different levels. Some some have done this sort of hard grunt of the research and others are just getting this sort of vibe that things are wrong. But wherever you're coming to it from, everything is so uncertain. It's deliberately uncertain. We're being yeah. we're being run by an agenda that's got no benefit for us that I can see. It's contrary and, and the double speak, you know, they say safe and effective, they mean unsafe and, and ineffective. They yeah. they they say um, you know, all of these words that they use that make things sound good, but their meaning of the word is the opposite of our commonly understood meaning of the same word. But like that legalese, eh? Yeah. It's worse than law. I mean I yeah. mean at least law. You know, I I I have my issues with some of the law, but there's at least some good that the underlying intention of law is good. It's often badly implemented and it goes off the rails. But what what's happening now is is a completely different level, completely yeah. different level. There, there, there's no respect for the law. There's no respect for the people. There's no respect for our future. There's no respect for our country. There's no respect for anything. And how do you engage with people who have no respect for anything? When... When the law, because let's face it, the courts are usually the last bastion between an out-of-control government and the people. Yeah. When the courts are failing, as you recently, when you took the case against the jab, where it come down to those meanings of words, and the government then turns around and changes the law, the whole intent of what you said was right. They should have stopped 
the vaccine until it was safety and efficacy results in. But they're not. We're all being experimented on, and people are increasingly dying. In fact, more people have died through that here, I believe, and had major complications than the so-called COVID-19 crap oh, itself. Way more, way more. What If you use the same criteria, death with a vaccine and death with COVID, there, there, there would be orders of magnitude more have died in New Zealand already from the vaccine than, than have died with, with COVID. There's no question. I've been working with teams of people around the country and, I mean, there are well over 40 New Zealanders who have died with after getting the COVID vaccine, but I'm not talking the old, frail people who were likely to die soon anyway. I'm talking fit, healthy people who were leading active lives, who had no known risk factors and who had the vaccine and who just dropped dead. Dropped yeah. dead within what a we're day. Gonna do is, yeah, I'll get Brad to ask you a question as well, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up and go on. But we want you on the show again in the future when we're going to do another whole um, COVID thing because we're going to bring out a lot more facts and figures and we're actually finally going to shock the people of this country into the realisation that the government's a damn liar and they're trying to kill them. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to um, give you a bit of credit, uh, Sue, because at the start I thought the court case within the Crown system with a government run by the Crown was sort of pointless but in saying that I'm I'm one of the few people in this country including yourself that know that but you essentially told the entire country that if you could prove that the Crown broke their own rules, that the Crown would just go and change the law to suit, suit themselves. So essentially what you told the public is that the legal system in this country doesn't support natural law or the people, but serves the Crown. And so thank yeah. you for that. Well, yeah, that should, was, should be thanking uh, you for that. I mean, I like to give everybody the chance to do the right thing. And that was part of the thing about the court case. Like, take it to their forum, explain the problem, and give them the opportunity to answer. And since the court, I mean, they clearly they clearly took the worst of every road in the court case. They wouldn't engage with us. They wouldn't answer any of the practical questions that we had. They withheld information. They're still withholding information. They're, they're not playing fair at all, and which is why I'm hesitant to go back and play their game again. But as you said, one thing it did do, they can't say we didn't give them a chance. We gave them a chance in their system and they failed the people of New Zealand. So they can't say that we didn't try. We've since tried to meet with them to take a team of scientists and um, doctors to meet with their scientists and doctors. I said, look, I want to meet with whoever it is that's making these decisions so that we can talk through why we see things differently. Of course, they won't meet. No, they, they won't. won't because they're lying pricks. I've got to say it, they are, they're absolutely lies. And like you say, when the courts fail us, and that's the last bastion of any sort of protection we have against the government, then, then you have a right to lawful rebellion, don't you? You cannot just sit there and take this over and over and over. You've got the farmers standing up, and when they start standing up, you know things are bad. You look at the health of a nation, you can tell that by how many um, charities you have out there trying to feed people. I mean, the farmers brought in tons and tons of food for the city mission. A lot of people didn't realise that. Um, recently, just in Auckland here alone and all over the country. These people feed us and yet this government wants to eviscerate everything and everyone and we are nothing but cattle to these people and it's about time we push back uh, by any means possible because I tell you what, if we, we don't, we are F you, you know. Yeah, that they will keep pushing until we stop them and we've got to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough and my line has been passed quite some time ago but I think a lot of people's lines are, are becoming very obvious to them now and yeah. there's, there are people speaking up. The good thing is 
people are coming together like never before and the farmers were a great example of that but the same type of thing is happening in the cities and the in the provincial towns people have had enough and the only question is what they will do to take action next because if you can't trust the court system where do you go and of course they've, you've, you proved with your case that you can't um because they deliberately um, obfuscated a lot of the a lot of the information and and of course they should have taken they just didn't so um yeah I think you're right the the point has long been passed that we are well and truly in the grips of a dictatorship we are communists through and through in this country and about time people started realizing that yes well hopefully they are thanks to you good work you know sharing information the more people listening the more networks that start talking and people just want to have a voice you know we did the walk talk and chalk tour last year yeah, to people people were disempowered and we said look our voices are important doesn't matter if you want to speak in the microphone if you want to write with chalk if you just want to walk down the street whatever it is you've got to learn to speak up get some courage just learn to express yourself and connect with others because we're going to get done over if we don't stand up and, and, and be counted. 100%. And don't start the war without me. Um, <laughs> so, so great. Kaylee of the New Zealand Outdoors Party and lawyer uh, down there in Nelson, thank you very much for joining us. We'll Thanks, hope sir. to have you on again soon. Thanks very much. Much appreciated, both of you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Okay, yeah. we'll play a, another. Me and Brad will be back shortly. We'll do a, uh, our own breakdown of the... Uh, hell of a protest throughout New Zealand and we'll also talk about other issues that um, uh, particularly pertaining to this and we'll probably go off track a little bit too but it will be informative I can assure you just have a look at another uh, montage and we'll be back
seeds, give us plenty, give us peace, God defend our freedom.
Welcome back to Calispin. Now that was awesome. Wow. That there is New Zealand coming together in support of our farming and agricultural sectors and our tradies, because without them, your services don't get delivered either, and your stuff doesn't get fixed up, especially when you pop some plumbing. I feel so patriotic right now. Yeah, it's good to be a patriot. Yeah, or a white supremacist. Because patriots apparently white supremacists. Well, yeah. I know why you're sitting next to me, Brad. You get some white privilege. <laughs> I, you know, I thought Māori are supposed to be the number one patriots in this country, and I see um, MPs in Parliament acting like kūpapa uh, crown agents, which is just not good. Being them over, they've got made in China stamped on their ass. We need to stand with our Māori farmers and our Pākehā farmers. There's no such thing as just... A farmer that's only one race is just nonsense. No, that's exactly right. Now, we've got a couple of shorter interviews to play for you uh, coming up as well. Um, <clears throat> uh, but first, we'll uh, have a bit of a breakdown of what we've seen so far and the general feeling uh, of our own experiences on the day. Uh, myself and Sarah went up to from Auckland. We went up through um, Wellsford and ended up in Whangarei, where we are. We're part of the Groundswell New Zealand's um, rally up there, and it was huge. It was big. And for a hastily arranged um, rally by the Wangarei Arm of Groundswell New Zealand with Tracy Tomlinson, um, I was impressed. If that thing had have got more coverage and um, a bigger lead time, that would have brought the entire country to a standstill even more than it was. Yeah, I saw aerial videos of the Whangarei one. It was massive. I was at the Kirikiri one. Uh, we, we went, I went further up north to be at Kirikiri because uh, many of our party members were at the Whangarei one. Um, but I had friends up at the Kirikiri one. Uh, Kate Lowe and Daryl Robb, they organised the whole thing. It was awesome. Uh, we all met at the rugby fields and we had a bit of a corridor to start with and then we head out through Kirikiri and my, huge numbers from Kerry Kerry came out to support us. So you, you know, even though we had this is a, a very rural thing, our our urban constituents they know that they need us. They need to support us. We need each other, and it was a great day for it. It was indeed. So you've got uh, you want to introduce a clip, don't you? Uh, well, I wanted to talk about um, essentially. I wanted to wrap up every everything that everybody had talked about. Uh, in terms of why we were protesting, to make it really clear to you, the viewer, why this protest was so important, why it attracted tens of thousands, maybe tw- from twenty to 30,000 people and huge numbers of support. So what I have here is Kate Lowe and Daryl Robb from Kerry Kerry. They put a list of, um, of, of bottom lines that they're not going to stand for, so the groundswell protests aren't going to stand for. So number one was the national policy statement on fresh water, written with no understanding of the challenges and needs of each specific region in New Zealand. Now I think this is pretty important because essentially what we have is we have the government and the council who are the worst at looking at it, looking after our fresh water, telling us what we need to do with our fresh water. Last, the last government had a guy named Nick Smith who changed the regulations to allow toxic chemicals, metabolic toxins and brodificum to be ju- dumped directly into waterways. Now I want to show you a video of a farmer who's going to put this into perspective for you as to who needs to clean up their act first. Let's so take a look. Yeah, Paul Dillon. I uh, run a dairy personal unit, 344 hectares. In my unit, there's probably 100 hectares of native bush, which we look after. 
and we, we custodians and we, we make sure it's kept good. Now I'm happy for the government to come along and say they want that and lock it up forever. Great. Pay me for it. I paid for it. I bought it. I earned through my lifetime the money to pay for that thing. For them to put a circle around it and say you can no longer use it, it's going to be used for the government. Yep. No. Use the face. We, we use this, we've had to pay right through. They can pay. And that should come out of great payers' money. We've been for so long, bad farmers, we make things always dirty and everything else. Farmers don't. I can drink out of every stream on my farm. If I go to town, I can guarantee I can't drink out of any streams in town. The cities are the polluters, not the farmers. Tidy your cities People should be using transport Put me in charge of the city, I'll have it cleaned up in a year. Don't put city slickers in charge of farmers. They can't even look after their own backyard. Well, he summed that up nicely. Yeah, he did. I can drink from my streams. How many of of you urbanites, and I don't mean this in a discriminatory way, how many of your streams can you go down to and drink from without having to do anything to it? This isn't anything to do with rural versus urban. It's not about that. It's rural people saying we want to take, we want to have a say over how our land is managed because urbanites aren't looking after their own towns or you, at least your political choices aren't. So why are you voting for them to dictate to us how we manage our land? We're the land managers. You have bureaucrats in office who do law, legal, and, and, and half of us their way into businesses that don't end up working. For example, Advance NZ burnt through half a million dollars. Right, Your political parties burn through millions and millions of dollars, don't set up businesses that help create any tangible value, and this happens every single year. Yet you think they're going to go in there and they're going to set up um, ways of solving problems. Have they solved any problems yet? Or are they just telling you what you want to hear? In fact, every single election cycle, the same issues come up time and time again, yep. which proves it never gets addressed. Yeah, absolutely. So the next, the, next, the next standpoint, that groundswell we're standing against, significant natural areas, wetlands and landscape regulations. I think this is probably the main one. Enables government to take land without compensation and against private property rights. And now, what's worse is they make you blokes pay the bill. You've got to pay the expense of sectioning it off. You pay the rates over the entire lot, and you have no benefit from the usage absolutely. of it. Absolutely amazing. And I, so a lot of people are going. Well, hang on a sec. This sounds like it's a bit far fetched. But I'm going to use a graphic to explain to you what they mean by this precisely. In the yellow. Go are SNAs, okay? And the red lines are private property. Now, a lot of private property owners, where they're having their land designated SNA, on my land, it's about 95%. In the middle there, it should be designated SNA. But the problem is, is that middle boundary is owned by an urban developer. <laughs> what they're going to do is they're going to develop that eventually, and to develop that, they will have to trade <coughs> uh, use rights from other people, specifically farmers. 
So farmers don't have a say on where their use rights are going or whether they can even get them back. And here's another question. Incredible. Who owns the use rights when they're traded? Is it us? Do we get paid for it? There's nothing in there about that. It looks like the government is user is creating a land commodity use right trading scheme exactly to trade to urban developers and locking up our land so they look like they're being environmental. This is not environmentalism. This is the government trying to find ways to cover up their economic failings and they're using us for it. <laughs> Couldn't have put it better. Number exactly three. National policy statement on indigenous biodiversity punishes landowners that have been proactive in conservation and turns biodiversity into a liability. We already have ways of protecting our biodiversity. You've heard from the many people that we've interviewed, the QE2 Trust. There are farmers that have been trapping their, their property just because it needs to be done. On my property, we mapped close to 50 trap lines, and we were trying to find trappers to do it until Doc came in, took $600,000 of your taxpayer dollars and poured poison into the streams. Two days later, it rained. So hardly anything was achieved. This is what bureaucrats do. While we're screaming out for help to manage our land better and help increase the areas of these significant natural areas, the government is smashing us with regulations and blaming us for all the problems they're creating. If we could get some help, some advice from people like Jamie McFadden, who's doing that himself, he's out there doing it with no help from the government. And he's been, at the same time, fighting SNAs and unworkable regulations since 91. How much time do you think we have for conservation when we're having to fight the government all the time? In fact, those, those uh, forms that they would send out to the farmers, uh, it's basically a laundry list. You've got to tell them how much livestock you've got, where they are, yep. what areas are covered, just so they can get that information and say, right, how much land can we steal off these buggers? Yeah, absolutely. Huge amount, and your taxpayer pays for all those surveys as well. It's not producing any value for you, the urban <coughs> constituent, and especially not the rural constituent, who's trying to get you fed whilst protecting the land that needs to be protected. Number four. Overseas seasonal workers not prioritised through MIQ for rural contractors, horticulturalists, dairy farmers and fruit picking. These sectors have been doing the heavy lifting for our economy. The mental strain of continuous long hours and production loss is becoming unbearable. Now, this is important. If you want production to lift so that your food and products are cheaper, you need workers to get it from the farm to the wholesaler. This is what links the nonsensical COVID narrative to the inflation problem. Farmers, tradies, and you, the consumer, face right now. The narrative that reinforces the idea that there are no alternative public health actions other than lockdowns, MIQ, and mass coerced vaccinations. Let's have a video of Shane Letty. Contradicting himself. Yeah. I think this is a marvellous event. I really want to commend the organisers for bringing people together here in Whangarei and indeed across all the country. It's a 
Marvellous men, you're really hearing the voice of the communities saying no, as you've heard from the tractor, enough is enough. That is enough. All the seven points the groundswell has in their policy documents today, all of them need to be taken into account because the community has spoken today and said no, stop, we need to stop. And so what do you think the National Party will be doing? The National Party will be saying stop to nearly every single one of those seven items. The one that does need a bit of thinking is the new biodiversity statement. We should wait and see what that looks at before we comment on it. But fundamentally, SNAs are not good and we'll fight it, we'll fight it. What was it also mentioned here today was one of these seven items is the pastoral lease reform bill. We will fight that right through Select Committee and every step through the House. So you can anticipate the National Party is joining farmers saying enough is enough, no, stop. We've had some independent science come through that New Zealand's actually carbon neutral. So why would they even be looking at eviscerating the farming industry? don't understand why they would want to lump climate change solely at the feet of farmers. That eludes us why they don't want to use the emissions trading scheme as the main lever uh, for climate change. That eludes us as well. There's no explanation for that. I'm afraid when the solution to climate change is to cull the national herd by 13%, you are killing the golden goose. That doesn't work. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, farming and agriculture has always been the backbone of any New Zealand recovery. It's our backbone during coronavirus. If we didn't have milk fat where it was, we'd be in deep trouble. Speaking of culling change... What's going on in Fiji when ivermectin and hydrochloroquine is proven safe and effective? And it's not safe and effective. MedSafe don't approve it. No, don't MedSafe don't. Uh, approve it. And so there's no place for ivermectin. So really pleased to support farmers here today. What do you think of the 40 doctors yeah. that are saying it's uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be in front of the medical councils where they are. Why don't you look at their concerns instead of bloody telling them they're going to censure them? Would you like to say a few words for us? Yes, I would. Yeah. You're actually right. You're right. Oh, ivermectin's right. 100%. I'm with your show, brother. Yeah, yeah that's right. Doctor didn't want to face the questions today. I saw his minder. He's around here somewhere. And he ran for cover. So what do you want to tell? So what I want to say is there's this FDA-approved safe drugs like hydrochloroquine and ivermectin, and that's international studies, especially in Peru recently. And we've had 60 dead in Fiji. That's a cull. These people have. They said no to wearing vaccinate because they know, some of them know what the hell's going on, so they compromised. In other words, they told them, you can wear one that says, uh, your choice. It's the quickest I've seen them run for cover. Dirty bastard. Good on you, mate. I saw your face and I was hoping you're going to hold the bastards account. Yeah, no, we were doing the ground I mean, I want to say this. It's taken the, it's taken the farmers, to, someone to touch their bloody land to get them off their ass. There's a modern-day microphone there. So, I, I want to say this. There was a farmer coming around there, and I played over my PA system, one of the vaccines, who more qualified than that bastard or anyone else, saying how this is, a, they have to stop it now. Yeah. And a man come up to me, and he says, um, can you turn it down? I said, well, the purpose is, well, I wanted to hear it. Yeah. And he said, what if I shut your bird? I said, well, you can try that uh, <laughs> that interjector there is oh, uh, Pete Pete Metcalf, <laughs> a local legend in Whangarei there, who loves going to um, hold account hold to account the politicians and that. And I'll tell you what, he was he was a good bloke, um, and he's obviously another highly intelligent individual who yeah. uh, follows the show. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think what Pete did there was brilliant. I read a, a couple of comments underneath uh, this video when it was posted on Facebook. And, and this idea that COVID isn't connected to the farmer's struggles is actually quite nonsensical um, because the, the fact that COVID alternative treatments and alternative public health measures aren't connected to the farmer's plights is idiocy at the most high. Yep. Shane is both a doctor and an MP who was part of the group that okayed the zero carbon bill. 
a doctor who ignores the fact that most things are connected and he's so essentially he's a doctor that's flying blind if you're ignoring the fact that things can't be connected or everything is intrinsically collected or uh, holistically connected then you're not a very good doctor because you have to keep an open mind and keep a consideration for other things. And he seemed to have disdain for the doctors who are actually speaking out about the alternative treatments that are available, like ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine. Well, we, we as a public deserve to know if there is an alternative way to do this other than lockdowns and, 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 and mass coercion of vaccines because businesses are struggling to get workers in because of the way we're reacting to this virus. And so... Hoaxes. <laughs> when I see an MP whose spine, whose spine is as flimsy as a skipping rope, slink away like that, back down from a challenge from a possible voting constituent, he's not a man, all right? He's an MP who claims to be for farmers whilst his party helped labour in the Greens. Get all this into motion. I mean... He's two, just talking two birds of the two, two, two wings of the same bird, those those political yeah. parties. And this leads into numbers five and six on the list. The Ute tax and land use change. Okay? So we have a, a tax on Utes in this country, and we'll bring up the graphic about carbon sequestration while I'm here. Right? In the red there circled is from over five thousand sites of our indigenous native forests. About 8 million hectares of this country. They came to the conclusion that it has an annual carbon uptake of about 1.5 kilograms per square meter. All right? That's 140 million tons, oh, sorry, 120 million tons of CO2 sequestered in our 8 million hectares of indigenous forests per year. That is 40 million tons more sequestered than we emit. We're carbon, we could be potentially carbon negative. We are. And, and even if that wasn't enough, there's your pasture. There's your plants you don't measure. That they didn't take into account. The problem with our climate change goals is in green countries like Aotearoa, New Zealand, we don't factor in sequestration of pretty much the entire country. And it would only take a doctor, one Google search, to figure this out. If the National Party was actually for farmers, actually for tradies, actually for primary producers, they would have done their research and figured out that climate change is not the biggest issue for this country. In fact, if we shut the uh, politicians up for five minutes, we'd save the damn planet. If Shane Retty, let's pronounce your name properly, shall we, brother? <laughs> if Shane Retty actually cared about fighting for every single one of these strong statements made by people with a backbone, he would have done his research, he would be saying everything I'm saying, but he's not. He runs from a fight. And this is your biggest problem with politicians. They have no backbone. They are pandering to the people that are willing to give them the most money. And at the moment, the people that are able to give them the most money is big tech. So and a criminal organization known as the Chinese Communist Party or absolutely. CCP. Absolutely. A country, or a, rather a party, that backs its loans on empty cities that are backed on loans from Western banks. Correct. And they send those people, once they go and create loans backed on those empty cities, they send those people to invest in other countries like Africa, 
here. We are backed on the most flimsiest of loans. What do you think is going to happen when everyone catches on to their massive big Ponzi scheme? We're going to be in a huge amount of trouble. So the first thing we need to do is start looking for, for different trading partners. Because people want to buy our stuff. NZ Made is the new made in Italy. So long as we can put enough stock behind it. Yeah. Enough of this spin. Enough of this Jacinda spin. Enough of these politicians who lack a backbone and lack understanding. Because that's exactly what Shane Letiar and the National Party is. So long as they kowtow to the popular narrative. It's not good enough. If you want proper environmentalism, stop voting for these clowns, okay? They're not statesmen. They're politicians, they're slimy little weasels, and they can't stand up to their constituents when they ask them difficult questions. They have to have it all written out for them and sorted out so they can answer it along the party lines. That's no good for you. If a politician can't figure out that the fuel industry is almost regenerative because of one type of technology that has has had proof of concept since 2018. They're not doing you, the farmer, the tradie, or the primary producer any service. Check it out. Why don't we recycle energy? You're hitting the nail on the head. We would like people to be recycling their fuel in the same way as they recycle other things. Your technology is we're going to refine that energy that carbon out of the atmosphere, combine it with hydrogen and water, and then that's the same as gas or jet fuel? Yeah, yeah, it's chemically the same. Uh, no pollutants. So, for example, our diesel burns completely clean. None of that black smoke you see from trucks when they go up hills. Right. Completely clean. But yeah, it's chemically identical. So this is our plant. Great to have you here. Everything here is a working model, full process working and we are capturing CO2 from the atmosphere right here. Think of it as like a big cooling tower. Large fan, the fan draws the CO2 in. Chemical reaction, and we capture the CO2. Wouldn't there be more carbon to capture by dirty, naughty factories? No, it's uniformly distributed. So, so we could, yeah, we could anywhere. put one of these plants in the middle of Beijing, or we could right. put it in the middle of the Sahara Desert. You would capture the same amount of atmospheric CO2. So we as a species have put it in, so we as a species should be taking it out. Well, that's our choice, but I think we have to, or we'll find somewhere else to live. This is the fuel that we make. It looks exactly the same as any other fuel. Right. It's very, very high chemical uh, performance. Right. Higher performance fuel than the stuff you buy at the pumps today. So it's better than the pumps, it's carbon neutral, and theoretically it would be cheap to make because you're refining the energy that's already out there in the atmosphere. Yeah, you're using the CO2 from the atmosphere. You're only feedstock. The only thing you're consuming is renewable electricity. Right. But here's the interesting thing. A carbon-neutral fuel that's compatible with any vehicle in the world today. Right. So that car you just drove up in, we can make that carbon-neutral tomorrow. Wow. Any vehicle, any performance vehicle, any battered old truck, airplanes, we're compatible with all of those. Which is significant because nobody's making electric tractors or electric planes. Right. Do you have to do any modifications? Wow. So transportation is about 20% of the CO2 emissions. How are we going to decarbonize that? There's a billion cars in the world. So if we all uh, go electric, $50,000 for an electric car, that's $50 trillion. Then you've got to deliver energy and electricity to each car. It's a massive change. Yeah. Alternatively, why don't we just change the fuel? The price to you at the pump will be the same. 
having something like a, a carbon neutral gas isn't even enough. We've got to start going negative. We've got to actually pull carbon out of the atmosphere. Now, can, can this do that and what's the plan We can there? take the CO2 generated here and bury that underground and you get to negative emissions. Right. It's a hugely important thing. And how many do you need to scale it to get to carbon negative? You need less of these than there are power stations in the world today to net emissions out to zero. And how, so how, how many is that? It's in the region of tens of thousands. If we are taking measures as we should be to remove emissions elsewhere, now you start getting to an overall negative emissions from the world. Why isn't the world rushing to Squamish, BC and saying, can we please make 100,000 of these? So first of all, we're open and ready to receive the world. Um, secondly, we've, we've really just got to proof of concept here and it's working. So the next step for our business is to expand across the globe, make carbon neutral fuel. And when the scientists and the governments decide that they need to do negative emissions, the technology is ready. There you go. Wow. So essentially what's happened is everyone who was invested in big oil, the moment it became regenerative, jumped to another industry that isn't regenerative because of the product scalability. Um, we're going to be going into the Internet of Things. You really think the, the sound of Internet of Things screams environmentalism to you? The fuel industry just got regenerative. You can fill up your car, pump CO2 into the atmosphere, a machine can bring it back down, add hydrogen to it, and turn it back into fuel again. I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? To make things cyclical so we're a symbiotic species? Yep. So what is Extinction Rebellion now? Is it actually for the environment, or is it just promoting a shift to a more environmentally damaging See, industry? extinction of mankind. That's yeah. what they want. So they can upload themselves into their little transhumanism bodies, and Come away on. they go. Come on, guys. I mean, it's like wakey, right wakey. in front of you. Yeah. Well, we've only got a couple of... Uh, <laughs> Two, two short uh, clips now, uh, interviews that uh, we did while we were up in um, Whangarei there. One with, uh, we'll play them back to back, because uh, they're, they're not that long, uh, but very informative. Uh, one from Robin Grieve, he's a chairman of a Pastoral Farming uh, Climate Research Inc. And of course, the lady who was, at the last minute, organised the um, Groundswell New Zealand's Whangarei arm of uh, the rally. Hell of a process. She did a fantastic job, yeah, and we were awesome privileged process. to speak to her as well. And that's uh, Tracy Tomlinson. Both great people. Check these out. Mm. Hey, my name's Robin Grieve. I'm a uh, local orchardist in Whangarei here, but I've also been involved with uh, dairy farming for my life before that. And uh, I'm really interested in the uh, climate change policies that the government's putting in place in terms of taxing farmers' methane emissions in particular. And I was asked to come along and speak on grounds, grounds to the Groundswell Rally. Uh, just simply to voice the concerns that farmers have of being over-regulated, over-taxed, unfairly taxed, I should say. So that's what brought me along. Because it's a big deal, isn't it, when farmers get motivated? So around the country, thousands and thousands of people have, have gotten out. What do you think? Well, well, people don't. I mean, I've been involved in a number of causes for, for, for many, many years. And to try to get people to go out and march, these sorts of people don't do that. They're busy on the farm. They've got their head down, the bum up, and they're working hard on the farm. They just haven't got the time to go. They don't normally do this. So this shows you that the depth of sentiment that's brought people out here. And 
was I correct in hearing that in your speech you said if nothing's done in a, in a month's time, there's going to uh, be another... That, that's the uh, ultimate on the ground, well, the, the conditions of grounds well put on it. They want to see some response from the government, favourable response by August to 16th. So what would what would make farmers happy and growers happy and, and tradies happy? What, would, what do they want from the government? Uh, they'd want to talk to them. I yeah. mean, they basically want them to hear the concerns and just say, look, you know, you're going down the wrong track here. Uh, I mean, everybody's doing their bit. Um, but farmers just feel that they're just going, the pace is going at far too fast. Uh, they haven't had time to catch their breath, and it's costing farmers. That's the thing is because you can't, farmers can't pass their cost on to anybody. So you know, if you're a tradie, uh, and, and I sympathise with tradies, of course, but I mean, uh, you can't pass costs on. Farmers can't do that. And Jacinda talks about being kind and having a well-being budget. How do you feel about farmers being left out of that? Well, I mean, and that's the reality. I mean, that's what I said in my speech. Is that uh, you know, the, the, cow, the cows don't wait to start calving, the lambs don't wait to start lambing. So these things have to be done. And there'll be farmers uh, who just don't have the staff to get on and do the, the overburden with regulation and costs and compliance. And it's just too much pressure for them. And generally they're a stoic bunch and they don't really talk much about how they're feeling. But suicide is a real issue within the farming community, isn't it? Well, it is. It's, it's, it's high, and, and I didn't want to sort of say that too, yeah. too explicitly, but yeah, I am concerned about some people I know who are facing uh, a, a pressured spring, short staff, and facing all these opportunities uh, across, and just feeling downright unappreciated, for yeah. the sakes. Yeah. Well, I'd like to ask you a question. Prior to the last election, Jacinda and her lot came out, and she made it abundantly clear that there's no way farming had a future in the country. It was a thing of the past, yeah. like a relic of the past, and she was dead set to eviscerate your industry. Agriculture, farming, uh, the complete rural sector, because as you know, they want to dispossess you of your land, no more private ownership, and they want you out of there, and, there's, and that agenda doesn't look like it's stopping. What do you got to say about that? Do you believe, because I don't, that Labour was elected in the South Island especially, and in the rural areas, into government? There's no way you're going to vote for your own demise, are you? Well, very hard to find someone who voted for them, Devon, in my circles. But no, I don't know too much about that. But I mean, I do know that nothing is off the table, it seems, with this government. They just, just keep going. And, and one wonders what's in the back of their mind. I mean, surely they must see the harm they're doing. And surely they must see the importance of private enterprise, particularly the farmers who just stoically sort of just get up time and time again and keep the lights on in this country. Yeah, because it was, it was the... Um it's always the farming and agricultural sectors that take us out of every economic disaster we've ever had. Well, we, our recovery's on the back of you blokes all the time. Well, I mean, that's what's happened with farming. I mean, it's not new. This has been going on for decades. You go back to uh, all the cash prizes they have about trying to find a new way. But at the end of the day, one thing we in New Zealand is good at is farming. Yeah. And our farmers are good farmers. And they just need support and appreciation. Yeah, yeah we've had a, we released the figures before. We're actually a carbon neutral country by about 1.2 billion cubes. Well, that's right. I mean, that, that, yeah, that, that's a big hornet's nest in itself. I mean, when you're getting involved in livestock emissions and things like that, they're really out of their depth on this. Uh, they don't know a lot about it. The science isn't very sure about it. They, it's just, uh, what do you call it? Um, the whole farm system has not been taken into account when they're measuring the emissions. So they're blaming farmers for the outputs, but they're not giving them any recognition of the inputs. And they're also, hang on, and they're also targeting the waterways the most polluted ones that are actually avian ones, that are, the birds are doing it because it comes in dirty on the farms and actually quite often leaves cleaner than it come on. Well, I mean, on water quality, I mean, one thing to remember, farmers have done nothing wrong, they're doing nothing wrong. They're just carrying on farming as they always have been. And they've been good environmental stewards of their farms because if you own a farm, you want to look after it. 
Absolutely. And that's what they've done. Uh, now, if the country decides, oh, we, we, we want to do this and that in terms of water quality and things like that, I mean, that's, the, the, I suppose, the benefit of being in an affluent country where you've got the choices to do, to do that. But there's going to be costs, and one of the things that it appears people want to do is they want to put the cost on the farmers, but there are not too many people who are willing to put the cost on themselves to fix up the urban waterways or stop polluting Auckland beaches and yeah. running sewers down Wellington Street. Well, we can, so we, we can assure you of one thing. The country doesn't want to uh, attack the farmers. Just the government and the, and the gender-driven propaganda want to do that. It appears so. It appears yeah. so. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks so much Thank for your time. Much. Keep Thank up the good work. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomason, coordinator of the Wongarei Howl Level Protest. I had an awesome team behind me or I could not have done this. Just an ordinary Kalkaki's uh, wife who noticed the Facebook ad for a Howl Level Protest and Wongarei needed a coordinator. So me and a few friends stepped up. We had overwhelming numbers when we turned up for our 10 o'clock debrief today. Vehicles, tractors, youths, trailers were already pouring into Barge Park. So it was just scramble and get it done. So thanks for supporting us, Wongaray. We'll, we'll be back with another one. I'm quite sure Groundswell made that clear. But we're really against the government interference in our lives. We all know that we need to take better care of the planet and it doesn't matter whether you're a farmer or whether you live in town and we're prepared to do that but they're bringing in legislation that doesn't even work for us and the compliance costs are crippling and it's especially those little independent farmers we've just got 200 acres in the Carfria and um, the compliance costs you've, you've got no idea it's huge and businesses have got behind us because it's hamstringing their business so the unjustified co costs have to stop and uh, just please come to the table and talk to us because we actually want to do this and we can do this but not like this thank two great people sold to the earth and that's what the farmers in this uh, country are all about and the tradies the tradies up there are amazing too yeah I'm, I'm quite glad that Tracy was wearing a yellow vest there sending a message to James Shaw <laughs> if you keep doing what you're doing the yellow vest will come for you mate I couldn't wear my yellow vest today because it makes me invisible with the green sh green screen in the back Yeah, but I'm, I'm wearing it in spirit today just for you James <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah so, so so far what we've got here is we've got a, a government that's completely out of control completely compromised uh, they're bought and paid for a political horse and um, they are determined to implement the Great Reset and the Party of Davos's um, uh, program of destroying property rights in New Zealand and basically controlling every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Basically, just like you said, the farmers are being farmed yeah. by the government. It's not that hard to understand. It's just environmentalism through anti-humanism, which doesn't work because Never has. Uh, the survivors end up hating the people that did it and, and, and then putting environmentalism next to them. And then afterwards, environmentalism is hated for ages. I mean, everyone thought Adolf Hitler was an environmentalist. What do, you, what do you think happened? What was the next war after World War II? Was it the Cold War? Was it the, the, the Korean War? No, it was a war on the environment. Hi, people just weren't realising that that's what they were doing. So anti-humanism to serve environmentalism 
doesn't actually work. It's contradictory, just like every other narrative you're hearing from the And of course, it's all moving towards transhumanism. Yep. Which is a whole topic unto itself. You're not going to save people by hating on people. Yeah. So what we'll do before we come back and um, uh, do our final wrap-up and let you go for the evening, thanks for sticking with us, um, <clears throat> we have a unique counterspin feature. Um, we're about to play Jacinda Ardern's response to the hell of a protest um, rallies throughout the country. Uh, like I said, with that added new counterspin feature that allows us to translate her politispeak into, well, the reality of what she's actually saying. Check this out. And, and here's, here's my answer. Firstly, um, in New Zealand, we, we guard and protect people's right to protest. So that's my starting point. Everyone has that right and everyone has the right to have their views heard. I think the second thing that I'd say is that some of the issues that have been raised uh, today, you know, they are issues that we've heard. Uh, and in many cases, uh, or at least in some cases, we've been working hard to respond to. Uh, one of the groups that I meet with really frequently in this role are our food and fibre leaders. Uh, and the reason I meet with them is because of how critical our primary sector is to New Zealand. That is undeniable. Uh, here alone, we've seen how important our, our food producers in particular have been not only to us domestically, but also um, to our economy. You know, they have continued uh, to um, uh, hold up and uh, generate uh, an incredibly strong uh, recovery for us in the wake of COVID-19. So no question that they, our primary sector is so valuable to us. But also at the same time, my job is to make sure that I do all I can to also maintain the value that we're able to gain in an international market with our exporters for the products that we trade. And one of the reasons that our exporters have been so successful to date is because of who we are as a nation and the fact that we have always worked so hard uh, to produce products that are valued, respected and trusted. And one of the things that we need to keep doing is make sure that we maintain that on the world stage. Our export markets now, they want us to demonstrate we're doing our bit on climate. They want us to demonstrate that we're doing our bit on the environment. And also, we need to make sure that we are for our own domestic reasons too. So when our Minister for Trade and Export Growth travelled recently, the questions he does get asked when we're negotiating our free trade agreements are things like what we're doing on climate or what we're doing uh, on issues like fresh water. And so it's really important that we stick to the commitments that we've made. And those are commitments we've made as a government to New Zealanders, but also commitments that we've made that will help us maintain the value of our exports because we're really reliant on them. They're the ones who buy our products. So what does that mean for us going forward? There are big challenges coming at us, really big ones. You know, they are related to making sure our um, uh, we improve the quality of our fresh water, and that is a challenge for us up and down the country. That is not just a rural challenge, that is an urban challenge too. And we have challenges around climate change. And my commitment is that we will keep working together. Uh, in fact, our response on climate change is actually being driven now through a piece of work called Hewaka Ikanoa, where uh, we have been sitting around the table 
with our um, uh, with our primary sector leaders who are helping to design that response now. Uh, and that is a really practical response to the challenge that we have in front of us. We'll keep listening on things like the pressure at our borders around workers. You know, we've given already an allocation to dairy farm workers. Uh, and uh, today you will have seen that we also announced an extension for our existing workforce who are here, our essential work visa holders. That very much was in response to a meeting we had a, uh, about a month ago now where our primary sector uh, community said to us, uh, we need certainty for those workers who are already here. So we've worked hard to deliver on that. Uh, and so we will keep working together no matter how big the challenges are. That is my commitment. So that's the response I wanted to give, that whilst we can't stand still as a country, we can keep working together. What a godsend that translation um, feature has been. Yes, it seems like all the white liberals are basically making all their agendas into Māori names so that everyone thinks that they're good. And then, of course, <laughs> and then of course, the whites don't want to say, hey, no, no, that's not right, because they don't want to come across as white supremacists and, and then get caught up in all the hate speech. Ugh. Oh, they've got, it, they've got it tied up six ways from yeah. Sunday. Because hepuapua means aware, like a crossing over water. And they're but it's the dividing most... the country into two systems. Yes. And it's only a minority that are actually on that side of the equation, only the media will have you believe that the whole country's behind it, I'd, which is ludicrous. I love that video. just loved it so much. I think that'll go viral, actually. And I think everyone will want to know where that app is. Please try and make that go viral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brad, where, where can we find... I just got the old prompter there. Yep. As you see, I looked over where like can that. Where we find... my well, instructions. I'm, I'm, I'm losing places to position myself. Uh, I'm still <laughs> on Facebook. What? Um, miraculously. Outspoken's still on there. We just passed the 3,000 um, like mark or support nice. mark, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm on Getter. Um, I'm, I'm in the process of moving all of my content over to platforms that... Uh, at least respect the right for free speech for conservatives and liberals. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, if you're on uh, the the normal mainstream social medias, uh, you're only respected if you're a communist. Uh, I'm not a communist. I'm a classical liberal. I believe in your right to be free and pursue individual responsibility by negotiation. So you can find me on Outspoken, Facebook at the moment, Medium, search me up, Brad Flutie. I write a lot of my articles on Medium. Um, you can find me just on youtube i got strikes for uh, uh sharing interviews with uh, doctors who have opinions contrary to the official um, narrative dr fauci <laughs> give us vaccines um yes yeah, so, <laughs> you can uh, you find can me on all those platforms but getter is the one you really want to get on get on getter add calvin and at real Brad Flutie, someone pretended to be me and i actually had to put at real at the beginning of my name uh and no, I'm not even that popular. <laughs> but you will be. But, but I will be, maybe. You will be. You, you know, will be indeed. Maybe, it, maybe you guys might help the at real be worth it being there. And you can also find Counterspin Media, or Counterspin, on our Getter as well, and on the website, www.counterspinmedia.com. It is up and running. Uh, there's a donate button there if you wish us to support us in our work of bringing you uh, more fact and evidence-based programs and show you things that the mainstream media either will not or are too afraid to show you or they've been bought and paid for for their silence. Yeah. Um, and we promise you, not a, every cent that's donated to uh, Counterspin will go into bringing you the show. There will be no Range Rovers. There will be no tins under the no, bed. No, 
No alcohol at the bars. No. We're here to we're here to deliver what we believe to be true, not what others believe to be true. Politicians and media are, are for sale, and someone always makes the purchase. But you and I can't afford it. Our democracy is worthless. That's right. And uh, we will actually employ our uh, unique counterspin feature to a lot more politicians' um, speeches going forward too. I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> to get to what they're really saying like that was a perfect example yeah, that's, that's awesome. what she really meant mm. so anyway we're gonna thank you again for coming and, and congratulations once again to um groundswell new zealand oh. fantastic one hell of a protest indeed um you did the country proud and yourselves proud and uh to the new zealand public out there who came out in your droves to support them well done finally we have a uniting going on and a proper pushback this is what we've been waiting for yeah let's not take our foot off the gas now i'm proud of our farmers and our tradies standing up before our military and our urban constituents did. yeah where are those blouses yep. probably um doing critical race theory hey guys stop forcing your fellow man to get involved in an experimental injection we need you guys to have a backbone now more than ever your farmers and your tradies have started it get in behind exactly that actually needs to happen. I mean, we've already proven the courts now are the last bastion of any sort of um, uh, firewall between us and the draconian measures of government has failed. Mm. We're basically on our own. Now it's rebellion is the only way. You know, whether we do it for the tractors and the farmers and that, or whether you blokes actually start holding people to account, better start doing something. Get a backbone. That's right. So we're going to go out now on, uh, usually we go out on Take Down the CCP Song, but we're going to have a slight variation this time, and we're going to have, uh, we're going to go out with Miles Gwoz, uh, who's the founder of the Whistleblower Movement uh, that exposed the depth of the corruption and criminal, um, what would you say, potency uh, of the transnational criminal organisation known as the Chinese Communist Party, or the CCP, Jacinda's favourite backers. Um, uh, this song is called Hero, and we'll see you next time. Oh yeah. Shout
带起来反抗，英雄故事必备后代传唱。我们是勇士的民族，不屈的血在身上流。